Welcome back, everybody. Really excited for you to join us today because we have Dwayne Allen as our guest. Dwayne, as many of you know, he's an executive who's been groomed for times like these. He's equipped with multiple industry experiences, has a healthy dose of self-awareness, and a passion for learning and for people. Dwayne is redefining the art of the possible as a strategic and innovative CTO. So, Dwayne, I'm honored to call you a friend and excited to unpack this incredible journey of yours. And I'd like to start out by shining the light on these past 12 months, what I would call one of those dream years in someone's career. So, welcome to the show, and please take us inside the world of Dwayne Allen and your incredible dream year. Dan, first of all, thank you so much for enjoying, uh, inviting me. I'm really uh, excited to be here and looking forward to this discussion and I've seen some of your past podcasts, so I must disclose I feel a little pressure. You've had some really, really, really exceptional previous guests, some of whom I know personally. So um, I'm just honored to be here. If I think about this last 12 months, you, you described it well. It's been quite uh, a dream scenario, if you will. Um, but first, I think it starts with the company I work for. So for those that don't know, Unisys is a global IT services and solutions company, uh, $2 billion in revenue, 900 clients, do business in about 45 countries. But we've been going through our own transformation. You hear companies talk about that, but ours has been really, really amazing. We just launched a new brand around reimagining the status quo. And really the part I love is it's focusing on experiencing breakthroughs. So one, just starting with the fact that I'm at an incredible company uh, CEO I admire and enjoy working for and learn a lot from, tremendous colleagues, and a tremendous direct staff uh, that reports to me, my direct staff, my uh, leadership team, if you will. So having that is a great start. And then it's just taken off from there, as you've mentioned. I've had a chance to now get involved in some other business processes that the CEO and COO have asked me to do. Um, I uh, was named in the top 50 IT exec. I had a chance to do some guest lectures uh, at Carnegie Mellon and some other places. And so it's almost like self-actualization. It's like this full career is, is coming together. But I got to tell you, a lot of it starts with the place I'm at. So while I know this is going to be about me, I couldn't start off without talking about Unisys and the great things going on there and how excited I am to be there and, and proud to be a part of that leadership team. Yeah, we're going to unpack more of that because it's a pretty special story you're all writing there. I, I know of Unisys. I was at the NCR Corporation back in the day when Unisys was formed, and it was uh, Sperry and Burroughs, I think, were, were merged a long, long, long time ago. So let me take you further back, then we'll get back to your uh, – I won't take over your podcast, but coming out of college, I had to finalize between two job offers – uh, the first one was Marriott, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. But the other one was with Data General. Well, guess what? Data General got acquired by Burroughs and Burroughs and Sperry merged to become Unisys. So here I am. I, I, I now get to, to, to pursue both choices. That's pretty cool. You got both jobs. Yeah. There you, there you go. There you go. Well, part of your story the last 12 months, Dwayne, it's the uh, it's the CIO's dream these days. The CTO's dream is to get invited to the board. And uh you know, cross-country healthcare came calling. Uh, you went through a pretty rigorous process, I know. But I want to kind of talk about that because it's part of this dream year. And, you know, kind of two questions. You know, what, with this board in the interview process, you know, what do they need you to bring to the board? And the second question is, what 
what could you provide? What insights could you provide to your peers who are wanting to be on boards? You know, what did you learn from that process? Damn, you could not have asked a better opening question because I think it's important to understand what is the board looking for? And then how does your background fit what they're looking for? And I'm saying this as a learning myself. I don't want to in any way sound prescriptive because I know I've obviously wanted to be on a board. I know lots of people who want to be on boards who have tremendous backgrounds. So it's about the match per se. Um, uh, Cross country is a a nationally recognized healthcare staffing, consulting, advisory firm. Uh, But part of their growth is driven by IT. They've got a platform. Uh, and they wanted some IT expertise on the board. Uh, and I consider myself honored to be a part of that board. Um, and we'll talk about the process in a second. But uh, they are, are, are filling a need and they've got just tremendous upside. So I just could not be more excited to be there. I consider myself very fortunate. And it's funny, I'm going down in a week or so for my first in-person board meeting, but I'm looking forward to, to uh, being there. Um, when you talk about the process, um, it's unlike anything you've ever been through. So it's not like a job interview. Um, it, it's more around fit. So as I mentioned, they wanted someone with some IT expertise, but not just that. They needed to feel that you could fit within the board, be a colleague. So uh, as part of my process, I met with the recruiter several times for some screening, uh, then got presented as a candidate to the um, client. <coughs> Excuse me. And then it just started a, a pretty lengthy and exhaustive um, interview process, which makes sense because it's kind of like a marriage. Like once you're on, you don't join a board for two years and, and then get replaced. Typically, I hope to not be one of those examples. So I met with every single um, board member uh, and then the board chair, who was the founder, then the CEO. And then there were references. And then there was another round of meetings in person. Um, and it's just a long process, probably about four or five months. Um, and not really knowing how the outcome was going to play out, because what I didn't realize, again, another learning, if it's a publicly traded company, um, you're probably not going to know till the end, because if they offer it to you, accept, it's got to be publicly disclosed within a certain window. Right. So, um, but the key thing I'd say for people interested in, in boards is, first of all, understanding your value proposition, which is different. So it's what does that collection of experiences you've accumulated over the years mean? and how to tell the story, and how to categorize it, and then how does that fit what what a board's looking for? So I was talking to someone recently, um, the same recruiter that placed me, and she said, if financial times continue to get a little more turbulent, they're probably going to look for people who are CFOs. Or So it depends on the need of the company and how you fit, um, but it was, a, it was an honor to be selected, um, and I'm just excited to be a part of of that process. And also you need support. My CEO, you've heard me talk about him quite a bit, was a great supporter. I uh, uh, involved him early on and and shared it with him and he was very supportive because, you know, you got to spend time and they're probably going to ask for him as a reference. So you want to make sure you've got some support, Uh, unlike a job interview where you could be interviewing and your company not know and yeah, getting references from old jobs and things like that. This is completely different. This is the most transparent, above board, exhaustive process uh, that you'll ever go through. But I'm thrilled. Yeah, congratulations. It's going to be a great, uh, great ride there. You're seeing a lot of healthcare players like that really starting to bring technology uh, expertise on the boards for all the all the reasons you'd imagine. And our good friend Art Hopkins was with him last week, as were you. And and 
one of his questions, he does a lot of board searches for Russell Reynolds, and he, he asked candidates, what makes you in the top 99 percentile uh, of people that make you qualify for this role? And it kind of gets to your point, like what's your unique value proposition? So big shout out to our buddy Art and ITSMF uh, as well. No, I, I agree. And it's interesting because quite a few companies are now starting to want some IT executive presence on their board. The question is, how does that IT experience fit? So if you're manufacturing their consumer packaged goods or pharmaceuticals, it might not you know, be as good a fit, but it's, I've heard about this obviously, but again, I'm new to this. So I in no way want to sound prescriptive or talk like an expert, but I'm thrilled to be a part of the process. I did have previous experience being on the board of a company called KPIT Technologies based out of Pune, India for like six years. Started as a joint venture, then they went independent and I stayed on for a few years, but this was completely different. Fantastic. Well, Paul Martin uh, on your Unisys board, good friend and uh for good good example, former CIO, award-winning CIO, now on the Unisys board, Owens Corning board, and and several others, and just uh, incredible human being. And we're going to get him on the show here uh, this summer. Oh, that's great. It's funny. I met him in person for the first time because my first two board presentations were virtual for the Unisys board. So I met him in person for the first time. And you're right, because he was just a full board member. You didn't know that he had an IT background or anything like that. So uh, great. It's fantastic. So another part of your story uh, happened last week, Dwayne. We were together in Orlando, along with Art and others. And uh, for those who are watching on YouTube, on our left and over your right shoulder, there's a big honking um, trophy, and it's called uh, what? It's called the Orby Award. Yeah, I feel like I'm the Super Bowl. I'm supposed to kiss it or something like that. Kiss that, kiss that baby. Send it on a tour. Yeah, yeah. It went on a little tour in Tampa, but that's that's for a, a, a conversation over happy hour, not a not a podcast. So for those that don't know, I was uh, I'm still thrilled, honored, um, uh, flattered, and and floating still. I uh, was awarded uh, and the recipient of the Orby, which is like the Oscar, if you will, for the IT profession uh, for CIO of the year in Florida in the global category. Um, They had several categories. um, And to be honest, Dan, um, leading up to this, I already considered myself a winner just getting to be a finalist. They recounted some of the stats, but I think in Florida, in this past year, I think there were 180 submissions, then a committee decided which ones warranted being nominees. And then a committee took those nominees down to a small group of finalists. So, and this involves engagement and you know information collected and all that. So just to be a finalist, but to win, I can't describe it. It really felt like the Oscars to hear your name called and get up and do a speech and just all the accolades and love and support of colleagues former people who used to work for me, my current colleagues, my CEO sent a note to um, our leadership team and board. Um, uh, Unisys has already posted it on their LinkedIn page. Cross Country Healthcare has posted it on their LinkedIn page, me being a board member. So it's just uh, it's just tremendous, the support and excitement coming out of that. So I'm almost back down to earth. Give me another 24 hours and a budget meeting or something like that. Then I'll be back. But uh, <laughs> But it really was, you know, one of those once in a lifetime. So when you talk about dream, I mean, that was the realization of the dream. It was really, really something. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to, I want to kind of dive in deeper in terms of how, how does somebody like Dwayne Allen get here, 
right? It's not by mistake. It's not by accident. And, you know, I always tell people it took my company 30 years to be an overnight sensation. And, uh, you know, so in your case, it's like, I want to kind of unpack some of those experiences, the skills, the journey, you know, what, what is it that shaped you that prepared you for, as I said in my introduction, for times, for times like these. And so kind of want to open up your playbook a little bit. And I want to start off with a lightning round game, a word game, Dwayne. So I want to do a uh, kind of go down career journey memory lane. And I want to just kind of rip through your different companies, which are fascinating. And first thing that comes to mind, you know, just what what sentence, what word comes to mind as I go through the so so you game? Does that work for you? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So first, hospitality leader, you mentioned earlier, Marriott Corporation in Washington, DC. Boy, when I think about Marriott, um, a couple of things come to mind. One is that's just the foundation. That's where I started. I worked there for 14 years. Uh, Bill Marriott has this mantra called the spirit to serve. Mm. And here in our profession, I couldn't think of a better way to start my career. One, IT, integrating with technology and so forth. So I say the foundation, spirit to serve, that that to me. And those are just wonderful years. So it's an iconic company. I'm always proud to say I worked for them and started my career there. Great company. Done a lot of work with them over the years. Uh, you went from there, a big move, hard move, because you were – well invested at Marriott, um, been there a long time. Wachovia Bank. Yeah, and it's interesting. One more thing is I also grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, so that's a perfect segue. So um, I call the move to Wachovia, um, I'd say growth, confidence, and, and pressure. And the reason I say growth is it was the triple header, new city, new company, new industry. So I uprooted, uh, went there with a two-year-old and a seven-month-old, didn't know a soul, you know, and um, it was a tremendous experience because it gave you confidence, gave me confidence that I could go to a new industry and still learn and add value. And then after the merger, I had responsibility for risk IT. At that time, they were the fourth largest bank in the nation. So right after 9-11, I think that took 18 months off my life. You know, all the pressure, all the regulations, yeah. um, the, the OCC, the Fed, no one was talking. So it was quite a bit of pressure. But that was uh, that was uh, that was a tremendous I, I call that the greatest personal growth experience in my career because I, yeah. I left everything um, but survived it, grew, thrived and then could move on from there. Yeah, duly noted, not the easiest tenure, but the most growth because it really forced you through a lot of lot of learning, a lot of a lot of challenge. Yeah. From there, so DC Marriott, North Carolina with Wachovia, then you go to Ohio with Fifth Third Bank. Yeah, yeah, the Fifth Third experience was great too. And I would say the word that comes to mind there is kind of advancement. I was recruited there for my risk role because uh, their chief risk officer had come from Wachovia and they were in some um, they had some regulatory challenges and they didn't have the appropriate process systems and so forth or a leader to help them with the Fed. So I came over, but I was really operating close to the top, very frequent interactions with the CEO and the CIO and the regulators. Uh, and I was able to lift that regulatory restriction ahead of schedule, which enabled them to grow. And that they then said, listen, we want you to be our first dedicated leader for MA. So over, I don't know, an 18-month or two-year period, I led a lot of acquisitions. I did three in one year, which grew the company by 10%. And I think 
I did six of their 10 largest acquisitions in the bank's history. So just a lot of growth, um, a lot of advancement um, and a good experience. And again, that brought me to Cincinnati. So another relocation. So that's kind of these all experiences. But I love the way you're asking this because there was no plan. I, I didn't say a few years in this industry and then another one. It just kind of evolved organically. Yeah. The next one was a really big one I mean, in my mind. You know, it was career impacting, new city, new company, new industry. You moved into manufacturing. It's like, hey, you're from hospitality. You're from financial services. What made you qualified for manufacturing? But Cummins was an amazing company and an amazing technology organization in those days. I agree, Dan. And I got to tell you, this would be another significant growth experience for me for a couple of reasons. One, it was a different industry, manufacturing, but I started to get comfortable because I just love learning. I think that's part of my DNA that helps changing industries. But it's the first time I truly worked at a global company. And I mean, global, global. I think they do business in 145 countries or something like that. And I had the opportunity to be CIO of a $6 billion segment, 75 sites in 13 countries. So almost a mini Fortune 500 company. So it really gave me that feeling of what's it like to sit in the CIO chair, although I wasn't the global CIO, but I was part of the leadership team. I got a chance to make business process suggestions, suggestions on how we run our leadership team. And also as part of an executive development program that helped give me some exposure on dealing with boards and regulations and going to Capitol Hill and a variety of things. Uh, but that was global. That was global. Um, I'd say global and executive. That was kind of a good rounding out. Our good friend Earl Newsom is there now doing an amazing yes. job. Uh, yes, yes. And um, a previous uh, person we know, Bruce Carver, was the CIO that recruited me. So uh, we got some lineage of relationships there, which is which is great. Yeah, small world we live in. It does. So it does. You and I, uh, I forget the year. Uh, it was in June and it was maybe like five, six years ago. We met at an ITSMF event mm -hmm. and you were transitioning to become the CIO of Masonite in Tampa. So, again, another new company, new industry, new new geography. I'm like, Dwayne, I'm, I'm building this, this CIO group down there. Come join us. And you are just integral to that, that group. So first of all, you're right. That was early, believe it or not, that was early 2017. So I've been wow. here six years now. Wow. And um, uh, I, you're right. One, you were very helpful, but I was uh, taking the role at Masonite. And I call that, okay, the big chair. Like you, you're a divisional CIO. You've been advising people. Now you're the person, you're the CIO, um, uh, and I appreciate you because I had no network. We talked about this experience going to Charlotte. Well, this time it was the same thing. I'd never been to Tampa before, but having a network of other CIOs was kind of helpful getting started. So I appreciate you helping me with that. Another tremendous experience, but there's an old saying, be careful what you ask for. So uh, love the company, love what was going on, but the timing was interesting because we had some um, cyber challenges that I walked into that were just occurring as I was coming on board. And then right after that, we had a hurricane. And so the whole aspect of backup or recovery and all that all hit within the first 90 days. So uh, be careful, uh, or should I say be ready, not be careful, but be ready. Uh, and I yeah. felt like I was, and that was a, a good experience. And while it was manufacturing different companies, building products, manufacturing, primarily doors and some other building products. So again, some learning uh, and, and great experience. And again, that's what brought me to Tampa 
Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm still here. I still am in Tampa now, but I, uh, Masonite was another important step in my career journey. Yeah, it's a great town. And uh, like you say, that big chair is not for the faint of heart. It's Mm-mm. it's the real the real no, deal. And then, no. <laughs> then you took, uh, I remember the, when you called me and told me about your next move. And I probably did one of those faces, right? Like, you're going where? <laughs> uh, so, you know, you... You went to Microsoft and you worked in one of Satya Nadella's groups that he created, this boutique consulting group. So looking back on that, was that a career miss, uh, detour, strategic? How do you see that at Microsoft? Oh, great question. That's uh, actually one of the more popular questions asked of me. Uh, and it's a more interesting story of even how that unfolded. But I'll just get to answer your question, which is, was actually both. It was um, a strategic move because I was operating in a completely different capacity. As you mentioned, it's this boutique group, a very exhaustive interview process. I think there were only 60 of us in the world working with their largest global clients, reimagining their future through digital transformation and innovation, primarily through the cloud. So I got to work with a variety of companies from Starbucks to Caterpillar to Komatsu and eventually in the healthcare uh, some of the most honorable work I'll ever do because I was working with pharma companies during COVID. So we were just trying to save lives. Um, but I was operating as a strategic advisor, um, a thought leader, a thinker, and a consultant. Um, and it was a departure from my traditional IT experience. And to be honest, you couldn't even really draw upon some of those CIO experiences because you had to be a quick learner of the business and what they were trying to do. Uh, and what's interesting is during my tenure at Microsoft, I never once met with a CIO, not once. I only met with business leaders, segment presidents, the head of aftermarket or or, or dealer network or, you know, um, animal health and some of these pharma companies and things of that nature, um, our pharmaceutical global supply chain and delivery. Um, so it was just a great kind of rounding out experience Um if you will. And uh, again, iconic leader, Satya, with an iconic vision at a, at a just an apropos time. So I, I have nothing but fond, fond memories of, of my time at, at Microsoft. And uh, it filled a niche. I've always been, people meet me and they'll say you're in sales or they'll say you're a consultant. Or for some reason, the third guess is that I'm an attorney. And when I tell them in IT, it's always a surprise. And I always say after the second guess, you got to buy drinks. Uh, but I've been, <laughs> in, I've been in this career my entire life. I think there's no greater profession. So I uh, I love it. That's fantastic. So, no, I know a lot of CIOs and not everybody has had great success in picking their new opportunities because it's a it's a mutual interview, right? And, and, and some get into those opportunities six months and they know it's not right. I know a, a big time CIO, he was a weekend. And he stepped out of the job because he just knew he and the CEO were not going to have a great time together. But you've done a really, really good job of vetting these opportunities, Dwayne. So what what lens do you look through as you're evaluating a board opportunity, a C-suite opportunity? Uh, anything you can share there? Sure. It's something that's acquired over time. It's not natural, but I, I gen it down to three things. In the end, it's about culture, values, and chemistry. Um, uh, as you move up in your career, when you first come out of uh, college and early in your career, it's about the job. Can I achieve things? Is there a certain experience you, you want? But as you start moving up, 
the culture of the organization? Is it a place where you can fit um, and, and thrive and be your authentic self and bring all that you can be? Um, are the values aligned with where you are? And then there's that chemistry because these are people you work with. Um, sometimes over time, you've heard people say this is like family because you're so close. Um, so uh, that's important at the end stage. Now, getting there involves several things. It involves competence. You really have to be good at what you do. Um, you heard me say I love learning. So you have to have the aptitude to learn different things. Um, you got to speak the language of the business, which is a big learning uh, that I've learned sometimes the hard way. You're talking about the greatest technology, how great it's going to be. It's the latest release. But you're not speaking the language of business that'll, you know, uh, motivate them to want to engage, let alone um, spend money. So it's the combination of those things. So one, you've got to work your way up your career uh, and be good at what you do and learn and be observant and figure out how to read the landscape, which is tricky sometimes for IT professionals because sometimes we're black and white. And the higher up you go, there's more gray. Uh, but then when you finally start looking at opportunities, uh, it is to me culture, values, chemistry, those things are, are most important. They ring true. They're hard to figure out, though. Um, sometimes you got to ask different questions or do some research because just about every company will say, we've got great values. We've got a great culture. We've got great you know, values, uh, great chemistry. Uh, so it's not easy. I, I'd love to give you something prescriptive, but you're going to have to lean in hard there and ask some different questions and maybe reverse engineer some of the answers and also reference, again, someone old like me who's been doing this a long time, I got experiences to draw upon you to compare to say, that sounds like this, could this be that, and ask some more questions. But I think that's important, and that's one of the reasons I, I love where I am. I feel like I'm hitting all cylinders in those aspects. Yeah. Well, speaking of where you are, you got one of these really interesting uh Peter High would call it CIO Plus. I mean, it's a multifaceted role. And uh, I'm actually hosting a dinner next month in Charlotte with uh, a handful of people. And the topic on the, of conversation is going to be, what are we? What the heck are we? Because uh, they're transformation leaders. They're strategy leaders. They're innovation leaders. They're business leaders. They're P&L leaders. Uh, tell us about your multifaceted role at Unisys. I'm happy to, but first of all, I would say we are business leaders and executives, and we happen to have responsibility for the IT discipline, but much like other professions, we've got to go across the board. Uh, and it's interesting, we might talk about this in another aspect or an article in the future, but if you pay attention, you look at the trajectory of CEOs, many times they've operated in different places. Sometimes they were a CFO, sometimes they were the head of sales, sometimes they might've been in marketing or HR. Well, it's time for IT to, to join that continuum, if you will. So I think we are uh, every bit as capable and as engaged as leaders as anyone else. Uh, and I'm giving you a chance to experience that firsthand as well. So my, my specific responsibility is a CTO. So I've got responsibility for innovation, solution architecture, intellectual, pat, pat, intellectual property, and patents. But over the years, um, particularly over the last year, the CEO and COO have come to me with some additional responsibilities. So first, it started with we had an analyst and advisors event last year, and I was asked to lead a panel discussion with five clients. 
So I know what it's like to be a television producer now because it's a lot of hours of interviewing the clients and interviewing the sales reps that support them, sales executives, and organizing the questions and so forth. But that was, a, again, a departure from the traditional, we want you to speak, but we want you to speak about IT. It was more, we want you to facilitate a business discussion with our clients around their needs, how we fit them in the future. And that went really well. And from there, I've been asked to take on some other responsibilities regarding um, how we're managing some of our uh, accounts in terms of profitability and margin, um, how we um, leverage ourselves as executives and how we become sponsors for certain accounts to help our sales teams win. Um, there's an investment committee that they've asked me to, to run as well. So I'm, I'm really, really fortunate to have gotten involved in some of these um, uh, other responsibilities, but it, I'm benefiting from two things. One, there's that culture values chemistry, but again, I've got a tremendous team. So my team is doing a great job that enables me to do some of these other responsibilities. But I feel honored that um, uh, Peter, my CEO, and, and Mike, our COO, uh, think enough of me and have enough confidence in me to, to get me into some of these areas. Uh, and I think they see the value that we sometimes bring in our role because we're cross enterprise. You know, We're not too invested in any one specific area. Um, but that's been that's been really good. Uh, and also uh, getting involved a little bit in strategy. Um, so it's just been it's been tremendous. Um, uh, and, and I like it. I'm really enjoying it. You just reminded me of a, of a quote of the from the very quotable James Dallas, who I think, uh, you know, very well. Uh, two time Orby winner. Uh, CIO became a CIO, COO. Uh, and then he retired. and he was, Now he's on five big time boards. And James will say, nothing gets the board's attention like a customer story. You know, and think of the CIO, CTO shows up like that versus the IT person, right? So James is just so, he's so good. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I probably didn't mention is I've also participated in client pitches. So if we were responding to an RFP, I had a chance to fly with the team up to New York and be the lead exec sponsor on the pitch we're doing for a large law firm. So it's a lot, it's interesting because I'm on this side of the table now, I'm used to being on the client side, you're doing the pitch to me, what's going on, talk about those rates. So it's interesting to see how it all gets pulled together on this side of the table and then work with the team representing them and, and facilitating a pitch to try to get customers to come on board and, and have us be their services or solution provider. Yeah, I see you being really good at that. Duane, you know, truthfully, because you're you're a partner, you're trusted. And um, so, Duane, you know, one of the things we like to do on the show is we like to bring in some people who know you well. We call it the mystery questioner. We have two of them. <laughs> you're making me nervous, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to love these uh, special people. And I think it took them maybe 2.5 seconds to say yes when we asked them. And so listen in and uh, listen to the first one. Tell us who this is and let's have some fun with the question. Hi, Dwayne. I've known you for years, and it's been a while since we worked together, but I'm thankful for the work we did do, and I think about the experiences we had often. Many of them helped shape who I am as a leader. You were so great at balancing this line of listening, coaching, and guiding, but with giving me enough room to build on my own leadership capabilities. I remember one scenario when I had to make a really tough decision, and I knew in my gut what to do but I needed your advice before finalizing. You listened and you had a great story. You always have a great story. 
And when we talked about when you have to make a tough call and then stick with it, one of those burn the boats kind of scenarios, I remember getting exactly what I needed and the confidence to make the right tough call. Always think about how you handled that, how you managed to make me feel accountable as a leader, yet supported in the choice. How can others do more of this? What's your leadership secret sauce? Wow. That's a, that's, a goosebump, that's a goosebump moment oh, right there. Oh, my God. First of all, how are you finding these people? You're like Barbara <laughs> Walters. That was Melanie Sandlin, um, a tremendous person. I think so highly of her. She's doing great things uh, now at Legion, and we work together at, at Cummins. Uh, and I remember the exact story she's telling about, and it was tough, a tough situation. Um, boy, there's so much in there. One, I think, I, I think she mentioned one thing. I think it's important to listen because um, sometimes familiarity breeds content. And I, what I remember going to banking, I'm going to get back to this in a second, but sometimes when I talk to people who say I've done 80 acquisitions and mergers, that confidence blinds them to the point where they're not paying attention, where the landscape is changing and technology is changing and cutting over it's different. So that experience stuck with me. So when Melanie came to me, I was listening. I didn't want to say, well, I've experienced this before or whatever. Um, I think the other thing, though, is I think it's important to relate to the person you're talking to. And she's right. I try to relate with stories. So this reminds me of, and again, I've been doing this um, since the stone tablet age. So I've been doing this a long time. So unfortunately, I don't, uh, uh, I have lots of stories, but I do think it's important to listen uh, and, and I think relating is important. So that helps that person get comfortable that you really did hear me. You do understand the urgency of the situation. Um, and then try to give some advice. Make sure the advice you give is what you believe. And then make sure they do have your support because um, these decisions are tough. There's going to be uh, blowback at times. I remember exactly what she's she's talking about. But I think it's important to listen, um, to relate to demonstrate that you understand. And that's usually by saying something back either with a story or recapping so it looks like this. And then also solicit their input. So they wanna, in some cases, she actually, she's right. She kind of had the answer, but wasn't sure she could go forward with it. And um, that's what you do. Dan, you're killing me. I'm, I, <laughs> I might need some water now. I, that, that's a, that's a, that's a, wow. Wow. Yeah, for those who are on audio only, I think, uh, you know, the, the body language from Dwayne said it all in terms of how special wow. that was. So, Melanie, yeah. thank you so much. And uh, but, but I will tell you, it is the most important part of what we do as leaders is we, we help develop people. We help support them. Uh, and I always say the strong reinforcement for me is sometimes I haven't had supportive, boss, supportive bosses. Uh, sometimes things didn't go what I expected. Or I didn't feel like they had my back. Not in a, um, um, that doesn't sound the way I don't mean it. Not that it was political or they were backstabbing, but you want to know that whoever you work for has the confidence in you is going to support you. So I know what it's like not to have that. So that reinforces that as a leader, I try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, building confidence in your people is huge and um, allows you to go off and do other things and they can step up their game. And so, yeah, but again, Melanie, thank you so much. And uh, Dwayne, don't go away. We've got one more. We've got one more person from you. Do I need tissues here? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> we, 
We should send that in our pre-podcast package. Uh, Tracy, let's make sure we do that. Tissues for our guests. So let's listen in and uh, uh, see if you recognize this voice here. So, so Dwayne, um, how do you really manage to develop and maintain a great professional network, not just locally, but also nationally, as well as globally? You do it really well, and you make it sound so easy. If there is any secret recipe that you have that you can share with us, would be great for upcoming leaders to learn from you and, and put it to practice. How do you do it, Dwayne? Wow, Dan. Uh, that was Vasu Iyer, who um, uh, has worked for me for a very long time at Cummins and uh, actually works for me now. So you've now contributed to his performance appraisal because he didn't tell me he was doing it. <laughs> um, uh, me later, Vasu. Yeah, yeah. And this is a person who knows me so well. I told him, you might have to sign an NDA coming over here because you know me too well. Um, I think for me, um, both whether it's your staff or colleagues, we're really in the people business. It's a myth about this IT and, and you know, it's about bits and bytes and solutions. I mean, that's how we deliver things, but almost everything's done with people. You either have developers or architects or partners, suppliers and so forth. Um, and I think I'm just fortunate that I am a people person. I love connecting with people, but I find that I learn a lot. So it's not just the, the, the joy of doing that. And um, sometimes I just keep it going. So sometimes I haven't heard from someone in a while, I'll, I'll reach out. Um, and it's across the board. Sometimes it's partners, sometimes it's past um, coworkers, it's former bosses or peers in an industry in another city and things of that nature. But, but keeping, in contact, uh, keeping in contact helps to me build the context. Um, so I think it's important. And how I do it is, I mean, what's interesting is given our field, sometimes it's a quick note it's a quick message. And ironically, I'm meeting later on today with someone who was a previous podcast um, uh, uh, person for you. And we've not connected in years. And we're going to connect for 30 minutes this afternoon because I want to bounce some things off of her because she's also a superstar. And so um, I just try to try to do it both internally and externally. Um, but what's interesting is it does take a little effort and structure because while I am an extrovert. I jokingly call myself a recovering extrovert. I can still be so heads down that I can look up and say, you know, what am I doing? In fact, because I'm in Tampa and work remotely, sometimes I'm here for weeks. So I'm trying to make myself get out and have lunch with folks. And you introduced me recently to someone who I am going to have lunch with. Uh, but, I, but I think it's important to reach out to people. I think people enjoy it. I enjoy it. And I think you end up learning. If you think about it, it always gets into three categories. It's how are you doing professionally? How are you doing personally? And what's going on at work? What's the relevant topic of the day? And you just learn a lot and you bounce things off of one another. So uh, I, it's kind of natural now. I just try to reach out, send a note. Usually the impetus is a note or a text and that builds the momentum to set up time or pick a time where we can call or set up a video meeting. But it's important, vital. That's good. You know, I think there's two Achilles across our industry, Dwayne, you've, you've kind of conquered both. You know, one is we're not known as being great communicators. You know, you talked about storytelling and be able to communicate a vision and something that we've got to be very intentional with. The other one is, is networking. And Vasu hit on the nail on the head. It's, you know, you do it for 
to help others. You do it to learn from others. Uh, and I always tell folks, especially younger folks, um, we're all just one connection away from changing our entire career trajectory. And if you don't put yourself out there, it will never happen. And so take the shot, put yourself out there, uh, make the effort, be intentional, and don't do it as, as a way of how can I get something from you, do it, but do it as a way of how can I help you, and good things will flow from that. Yeah, and I will tell you the other thing about networking is um, don't set limits on yourself. In fact, what led me to go to Microsoft was networking with a person that runs a CIO conference. So it wasn't a CIO or a CTO or a CEO. And I just said, hey, is there anything I can do to help? Because I was already doing a session. And he said, you know, it's interesting you asked. Someone backed out and we have a gap in this boardroom. Could you do it? And I met the person and they invited me to be a, um, at their digital transformation summit, which happened to be in Cancun, Mexico. So good opportunity there. But I didn't know it at the time. I just offered to help being genuine. And that led to the connection that got me to Microsoft. So um, I, I don't set limits. Don't in, don't. Um, there's an old person at Marriott, not Marriott, Cummins that used to say this. Don't confuse position with influence. And so network across the board, not just upwards, because you never know who has information or a connection that can help you. So good. Thank you, Vasu. And I know Vasu also takes his role very seriously. And uh, he knows you well enough now that he sees when you start to really uh, get burnt, burnt out. And does he'll force you, right? He'll force you to get some get some fresh air, get some downtime. Yeah, that's the, it's actually the beauty of someone who knows you so well, but I can cover it, but he'll call me right after staff being, so you look a little stressed today. The other thing, you know, you're highlighting one other thing, Dan, though, is I think it's important to pick a really good team and, 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 and make sure that team's diversified. Like I have a fantastic team. They're not all like me. We can't have a bunch of extroverts or, yeah, we have to. So we've got a great mixture of folks who are strategic, who know how to execute, who can conduct meetings on their own, don't need me there and so forth. So sometimes management's helping and then just getting out of the way. And that's what I try to do. So um, uh, but it is good to have people if you do it well, it builds to almost like a like a family. Yeah. You know, uh, Dwayne, I'm a big student of the uh, the CIOisms, right? Those expressions that you all use when you're communicating, you're telling a story, you're making a point, whether you're coaching or disciplining or whatever it might be. Um, so I just want to go through some of my favorite Dwayneisms. There might be others that uh, we should go to, but if I'm a in a meeting with you and you say, this is a family discussion, <laughs> what is it you are communicating in that moment? So when I say it's a family discussion, that is one of my favorite terms. That means it's a time to be candid and free and it's just us because I, I usually I follow that, but like it's just us. We don't have the neighbors here. We don't even have cousins, aunts, and uncles. It's just us. Because when you work in large corporate environments, you got so many stakeholders. You got your department, you got other departments you're working with, and so forth. And I always want to make sure my team knows that as a leader, at times I want to know their honest, candid, unfiltered opinion of something because it helps me. So sometimes you got to facilitate that by making the environment safe. So look, guys, just like we're, I usually say, let's just act like we're sitting around the kitchen table. So what's going on? What do you see? Or what should I watch out for? Uh, many times, including when I joined 
uh, Unisys, I'll have members of my team who've been around a long time. I want to leverage that. I don't want to ignore that. I want to embrace it. So sometimes I'm at, and there's new leadership. So they might feel like, ah, there's a new direction. Should I say what I feel? Uh, but that's, and when we're having a family discussion, let's put it on the table, no filters. By the way, sometimes that family discussion yields feedback to me about myself. Like, you know, we need to make sure you're available or whatever. So it's important to, to get that, but that is, uh, that's one of my go-tos. You're right. Uh, we're just having a family discussion here. Let's, let's get to it on the table, just like you are with your own family. You discuss things with your nuclear family that not everyone knows about. So, um, that's the way I treat my teams. Good. That's good. You've got another one I'll have you talk about, uh, to help people lift up their heads to, uh, make sure they're focused on the big rocks, not the busy work. Right. And, uh, Make sure we're working on the right things. What's that? What's that Dwayneism? Uh, that Dwayneism is there's nothing worse than working hard on something nobody cares about. Yeah, and that is that is true. And 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 that's born from personal experience, by the way, because I remembered working really hard on a program and delivering something, and because it was an assignment given to me, and when I shared it with the business stakeholder, it was kind of like a shrug, like hmm, okay. And it's like, geez, I put so much time and effort into that. I don't like this feeling. It's not their fault, but I don't like the feeling of working hard and you not caring. So I try to make sure I understand what the priorities are with the business. I try to speak their language, continue to validate, including when I joined Unisys, the priority when I joined is different than the priority now. So I've had to make some changes, but I've got my team focused on what's important with the company. Because there's just nothing worse that you're delivering this report, you're you're busting your tail. Um, and so I, I, to me, it's another way of saying, let's just make sure we're aligned with the vision of the company. If the CEO has said the goal this year is increasing sales or, or improving profit margin, then let's make sure what we're doing is aligned to that. It might not be exactly that. We might be helping with architecture, uh, resiliency, a repeatable, reusable component. So we can deliver things better, but we want to make sure we're aligned to those types of things. So um, that's born from personal experience. And I live one, not to experience that myself, but to make sure my team doesn't do it because uh, there's just too much work to be done. So let's just prioritize and make sure we're working on what's most important to the company. So great for engagement too, right? And, and fighting burnout because if people are doing that kind of stuff, they're going to burn out, right? They're not tied to the mission and the a purpose and whatnot. Uh, one more, Dwayne. So, take us in the in the moment. Uh, you know, you, you're leading an organization through those big, hairy, audacious initiatives. It gets down to the wire. It's people start getting fidgety. People start wondering, is it going to work? Um, people get a little scared. Uh, what's what's the Dwayneism for that moment? <laughs> if it's getting hard, that means we're getting close. So yeah, that, that is I like true. That. <laughs> that, that, that is my go-to because, uh, one, drawing from personal experience, but um, usually there's some bumps in the road. And it's funny. One of my I'm a quotes person, so I got lots of quotes. But one of my favorite ones from comes from a speaker um, named Willie Jolly. He's a motivational speaker. But the quote goes like this. A setback is just a setup for a comeback. OK, mm. so. Uh, many times there's bumps in the road um, or if you're trying something new, sometimes there's resistance in the organization. You're doing something different. You know, we got pushed back. These people are, you know, if they're pushing back. That means we're close. That means we're we're close to something that's important and we got to communicate them. We got to pull them in. Sometimes things don't work that well technically. 
Uh, I remembered early in my career, uh, we were writing a payroll software solution for the restaurants group at Marriott. This was before people bought third-party packages. And there was a bug that was like needle in a haystack. And it was like, I won't give you all the details, but it took a long time to, to find it. And we had training held up. We had roll-up tr- held up. And uh, we kept testing and testing to figure out the bug. And we finally found, in fact, I found it. It was just kind of a fluke. But I remembered the lead client running down the hall and kissing me like she was just so happy because <laughs> we told everyone the solution was coming. We had them ready, but it didn't pass uh, testing. But there was lots of doubtful moments. Will this work? Um, are we going to have to go back to the drawing board? Are we going to have to let them continue on the legacy system? And so every time, rarely is it a straight path. If it's a straight path, they would need us, right? They just lay out uh, goal, put a PowerPoint up on the screen and say, this is what we're doing. Everyone nods their head and move that direction. But we're dealing with people. We're dealing with perspectives. We're dealing with history. Um, we're dealing with culture. And so making change, uh, driving things in a new direction is hard. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart, as you said earlier, right? Um, no, so usually as you're matriculating towards success, there's a bump in the road. And sometimes the bumps get bigger as you get closer. So I usually say if it's getting hard, that means we're getting close. So let's, let's close. stick with it. Maybe make an adjustment, not dogmatically push ahead, but I think we're close to, to pay dirt where we're going to help achieve whatever the goal is. Fantastic. And uh, a setback is a setup for a comeback. Yeah. So I get it right? Okay. I, I get yeah, right. that. In fact, my, uh, that's one. Some of, several of these quotes are in the Allen family vernacular. So my my older daughter especially uh, has, has referenced that quote quite a bit when she's doing things. So, Or sometimes I'll start, okay, sounds like a tough time, but a setback is what? And she'll finish it, set up for a comeback. So it's I uh, love it. one of my go-tos. I wish we had time to talk about your girls because you talk about them all the time and I uh, love hearing about them and seeing their pictures. They're just uh, successful, beautiful young ladies. So wish them well. And you know, kind of put a, a, a bow around this, Dwayne, you know, one of the things that we're very committed to, like you are, is uh, is giving back. We call it Tech for Good. And you know, we continue to commit $125,000 a year in scholarships to our Tech LX leadership program. And so, as you know, as a guest, you have the opportunity to gift a seat in that nine-month program to one of the nonprofits that you are involved in. So, uh, anybody come to mind? I mean, you're involved in a lot of things, but who who comes to mind? Good, good question. I, this has been an exhaustive process for me. So first of all, um, the, the, the organization I want to give this to is the Information Technology Senior Management Forum. It's an organization I've been a part of for years, but they've grown to the point where it's not just a bunch of it. By the way, it's an organization for senior level um, African-American IT executives, CIOs, CTOs and the like, and sometimes entrepreneurs of IT companies. But it's grown so much. It's got a lot of programs for developing. Uh, there's a management academy. There's an executive academy. And, and we are committed to developing the next 500 IT leaders to help diversify the leadership ranks in, in, in IT. Um, so I uh, would like to gift it to them. However, um, as you know, I'm new to Tampa. So I've been getting to know some of the um, nonprofits here and a lot of them. Um, are leveraging outsourced partners and things of that nature, but I, I want to continue. You you sparked something else, Dan, while I've answered your question, and I'm going to be gifting this. Uh, you sparked um, a new local passion 
for me to explore more about this. And I've got a good network here and folks who are on boards of some of these companies. So I really admire you for doing that. So not only were you gifting it, you're it's kind of teaching a man to fish, right? So um, while I'm very involved in the community and a variety of things, what you posed was something I hadn't really thought about. I've supported causes, I've donated, I've volunteered time. Um, but I want to explore this further because it reminds me back when I was in Washington, they used to have something called Business Volunteers for the Arts. And we used to volunteer our time to help local arts organizations because they didn't have IT staff and budget. So you're bringing me full circle. So sorry to give such a long uh, verbose answer, um, but I wanted to both answer your question, but thank you for the intellectual nod, nudge, should I say? and. Uh, I uh, hope more to come on that. Maybe this is something you and I'll talk about one day. I'm sure we will. And I, I'm just, it just really pleases me because, you know, I'm a big part of the family, ITSMF, IT Senior Management Forum, uh, also officially known as It's My Family. Right? ITSMF stands for It's My Family, for sure. And if you don't like hugs, do not go to a symposium event because it's a lot of love going on. And I'll also say, Dwayne, you know, I had the honor of leading a panel there in the past with, uh, uh, Ted Colbert, Boeing, who is now a CEO, Larry Quinlan, who's now uh, former Deloitte, now on several boards, many boards. We had we had Larry on the, the show recently, and uh, uh, Damon Carter, who's now a CHRO in a in a large corporation, and probably the most powerful room I've ever been in. So it's uh, it's a great gift. And um, so, Dwayne, as we pivot, you know, we're going to spend some more time, and we're going to craft an article that'll go live next week on CIO.com. And I want to talk to you about your views around the trans, what you call the transcendent impact of IT leadership. And uh, also, I'm really intrigued by delivering value without boundaries or limits, something that you've crafted. And so we're going to dig into that. But Dwayne, I can't thank you enough for your, uh, your time. Congratulations on the year. I think the next year is going to be even bigger for you. I don't know what that's going to be. It's hard to talk what you just did, but... Maybe there'll be a, a, a national orbit on the other shoulder and uh, other board roles, but thanks so much. And uh, on behalf of the entire community, keep up the great work. We appreciate you. Dan, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for what you do. You're, this is a gift to all of us. Um, all of us in the industry get a chance to hear these podcasts. I've listened to a few of yours. Some of them are people I know. Some of them are people I don't know. But as leaders are looking to round up their career, to me, I think the word is portfolio because you got to have a variety of things. Having this as a resource is just tremendous for everyone, no matter what level you're at, whether you're a CTO like me, a CIO, a senior vice president, director, whatever you want to do. So I want to just congratulate and commend you for your leadership and the forward thinking to put something like this together because I don't know of another one that exists just like this. So I really want to congratulate you and give you the accolades. And I'm giving you a hand for those who are going to watch this on, on video. Thank you, Dwayne. Appreciate that. Big shout out to uh, Ryan and Tracy and Marla, my, my team, that uh, they do the heavy lift and uh, couldn't do without them. So bravo to you all. And uh, Dwayne, thanks so much. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks a lot, Dan. And congratulations. Developing a robust pipeline of future-ready IT leaders who know how to show up and engage differently is paramount to success today. If you would like to learn more about the Tech LX Leadership Development Program that Dan talks about in the podcast, we invite you to visit techwhisperers.net. 
Equip your workforce with a new mindset and skill set needed to maximize impact, increase engagement, and build a world-class talent magnet brand. You've been listening to Tech Whispers, inside the playbook of the best digital leaders, a Woolette and Associates podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show as this helps us connect the world's best digital leaders with those who aspire to learn, grow, and thrive in this amazing profession. Thanks for listening. Until next time.